You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome into the Hogbeat Hour, this week's edition. Uh, we're going to be talking about Georgia. Unfortunately, we have to talk about that one. And then we get to talk about Ole Miss, a little bit of a redemption game for both teams. And it's kind of a, a prove-yourself game. Um, whoever win the, wins this game is probably legit. Whoever loses... Um, depending on how they lose, they might not be legit. But uh, I'm your host, Mason Choate. I'm joined alongside by Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of Hogbeat.com, and then Alex Trader. Um, Alex and myself are writers over at Hogbeat.com, and we do have a special going on. If you're a student, you're going to be really interested in this one. Hutch, do you want to tell them about that special we got going on? Yeah, if you're a college student, whether it be at the University of Arkansas or somewhere else in the state or even somewhere else completely – uh, out of the state, uh, just send me an email, uh, andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com, and I will hook you up with a deal that will give you your first year subscription at Hogbeat for just $11.95. It's usually about $100 for an annual subscription, so uh, that's, a, that's a heck of a deal. You want to hop on that, again, shoot me an email from your uh, edu address i guess i should specify that to prove that you're a student uh, message email me from your edu email at andrew hutchinson 413 at gmail.com all right you definitely don't want to miss out on that one a ton of great content from all of us mostly hutch but all of us over at hogbeat.com so um let's talk about georgia guys i know we don't really want to um i know about uh midway through the first quarter I didn't even want to watch the game anymore so um Arkansas loses 37 to nothing it was it was ugly and you know it made you realize you are not on the level of the Georgias and the Alabamas yet um so Hutch I just want to ask you um you know starting from the beginning of the game it was just it was all downhill from the first kickoff I believe so um, what what did you see went most wrong for the Hogs on Saturday that might be a glaring issue moving forward? Well, I mean, everything went wrong for Arkansas on Saturday against Georgia. I mean, that first quarter was about as disastrous as they come. Uh, it's kind of shades of Chad Morris. I hate to say that because I don't think this team is anything close to that. I think it was more of just Georgia being that good. I mean, they marched down the field relatively easily with very little resistance on the opening drive of the game and you're thinking "Uh uh-oh maybe they're actually really good on offense too and then of course the defense was smothering as we expected Uh, so I don't know if any of that you could really say oh gosh yo is that going to be a concern moving forward because I do think that a lot of that was Georgia probably the biggest concern was just the special teams blunders I mean we saw it last year uh, we've seen it a little bit this year and then it all kind of came to a head against Georgia. I mean, another punt blocked. I mean, that's four of them. I've looked it up uh, using pro football focus stats. Arkansas, since the beginning of last season, leads the country with having four punts blocked. And that's just, it's unacceptable, especially when you've got a guy in Scott Fountain whose sole job is special teams. I mean, he is the special teams coordinator. It's not like he's also coaching tight ends on the side or the offensive line or something like that. He is the special teams coordinator. So to have that continually happen, is just it's inexcusable and then of course you can't find the guy that returned kickoffs uh you've got you know you return one out to the 17 I mean that's you know that's not good I mean you you fair catch it and you get it to 25 
and then you got a guy that muffs it and you have to start at the seven that just kind of added to the the mistakes and to, to top it all off you've got a great freshman kicker in cam little and he misses his first field goal or his first kick as a college kicker and you know guys are going to miss every now and then so i don't put too much you know, blame on on cam's shoulders but it was just kind of like the icing on the cake like oh my gosh what a just a disastrous performance all around but especially on on special teams yeah, I, I kind of just want to ask you, Hutch, like, when is Scott Fountain going to figure it out? Because it's almost as if, like, you know, you see the special teams do something wrong in a game. We saw it a lot last year, and so it's like, okay, it's year one. They got to figure it out. Here we are in year two. You're playing Georgia in week five, and it's still happening. So when is Scott Fountain going to figure it out? And, you know, maybe does Arkansas need to just move on from him? I mean – I hate calling for anyone's job. Uh, I don't like doing that unless they do something, you know, egregious off the field or something, but he has not lived up to the hype, I guess you could say. I mean, whenever he came in, everyone, myself included, thought it was a great hire. Like, oh my gosh, Arkansas finally has a a dedicated special teams coach, uh, a guy that is proven, that's had success at multiple stops. And it's just, it was bad from the jump, you know, first game against Georgia last year. And it's just, it's really, it's gotten a little bit better just because by default almost, like they were so bad last year that they had nowhere to go but up. And I mean, you got to give Vito Calvaruso some props. He has been one of the top, you know, touchback guys in the country. Uh, Booming them through the back of the end zone. That's awesome to see. As I said, Cam Little has been very good. Uh, you know, you've had some punts that have looked good, but it's very inconsistent from Reed Bauer. Uh, and you've got all the punt blocks. You can't get any return on punts. You can't get any return on kickoffs. It's just, I, I don't know what's got to happen. I don't know if they need a change there or what, but it's, it's not been good. It's been slightly better than last year, but again, that's, that's not saying much. Not saying much at all. I want to bring Alex in on this, though. Arkansas was an 18-and-a-half-point underdog against Georgia, and a lot of people, you know, thought that was way too many points, including myself. I think I even said it on last week's episode, like, that, that's just way too many points. And we figured out that it was not enough points at all. So, um, Alex, just, you know, it seemed to have fall – it seemed to fall apart really quickly, and you, you started to realize, I don't even think Arkansas is going to cover this 18-and-a-half points. Yeah, I, uh, I I couldn't have been more wrong about this game looking back. Um, I think in our staff predictions, I was the only one that picked Arkansas, and I picked them to win handedly because I wasn't sure what Georgia was. They beat a bad Clemson team off a of pick six and then hadn't really done much else to impress me. Um, they, they've impressed me now. I, I think they are, without question, the best team in the country. I think them and Alabama are – a clear one and two right now, but I think Georgia, this was a more impressive win for Georgia than Ole Miss was for Alabama, in my opinion. Um, and part of that is because of the domination against what looked to be an elite level defense. And I think still can be an elite level defense. Uh, Kirby smart, just out, you know, when you're trying to win a game like that, or especially where you're um, double digit underdogs, 
you need to dominate all three phases of the game. You need to play all three phases to perfection. And in a game like the Texas game, you saw Arkansas was in control in every stage of the game. They never really lost it. In this case, they had zero phases of the game. So that's where you see that spread fall apart so quickly. And 37 nothing, you know, I think we all had it pretty close one way or another, but 37 nothing was kind of shocking. I heard this a lot. Um, maybe, maybe on the I heard it on the radio broadcast during the game that I've heard it on radio throughout the week. Um, a lot of people say that Kirby Smart kind of called off the dogs against Arkansas in like sort of as as a respect thing towards Sam Pittman. Um, I, it kind of did seem like Georgia probably could have scored more points. Um, they were they were moving the ball at will. They were running it very easily. Two hundred seventy three rushing yards on the day. And they really didn't air it out as much as they could have. So, Hutch, do you think that Kirby Smart pulled off the dogs a little bit? I think he probably could have won the game by more. I mean, I, I did think the defense kind of eventually kind of adjusted. I mean, they weren't stopping that run game at all, but they they did kind of limit them in the second and third quarters a little bit, you know, held them to a couple of field goals, I want to say. So, I mean, they, they did come around a little bit, but – uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think Kirby once he got that jumped out to that twenty-one nothing lead in the first quarter, I think he was like, okay, let's just let's just try to let's coast, you know. I mean, they don't they don't want to do anything crazy to to get anybody hurt or anything like that, so they just kind of coasted. Um, but yeah, I I mean, if they if they truly call off the dogs, it probably would have been a little bit easier for Arkansas to score just because I mean, that that defense even too deep is is scary scary good. I mean, I think. I've seen some people call that front seven one of the best in maybe college football history, and I'd believe it. Those dudes up there on that defensive line, I'd said it before the game, but even after saying it, I was like, oh, my God, those guys are are scary. So before we wrap up this talk about Georgia, we got to hit on the offense. It was very, very disappointing from the offense. I mean, a ton of penalties. They couldn't move the ball. It felt like they were, you know, with they were in their own 25 the whole game. Um KJ Jefferson didn't really do much. You saw Malik Hornsby in the second half. Uh, I talked to some people on the team. They they said that right from the beginning, they knew that they couldn't do anything with Traylon Smith because they were going to try to get the ball to the outside with Traylon, and Georgia wasn't going to let it happen. And it it was just it was disappointing. And so that's why they started to run Rocket. They started to run Dominique. And so Alex, I want to ask you. Um, <sighs> Why couldn't the offense get anything going? I mean, we know Georgia's defense is really good, but this is still an offense where you have some weapons. Yeah, I think it really does. I think what the main takeaway from this game needs to be is not that Arkansas is the same old Arkansas team that we're used to over the last couple of years, but that Georgia really is that good. I mean, you went against what was supposed to be an elite defensive front in A&M and Texas was supposed to outmatch you at the line of scrimmage and neither of those things happened. This was just a case of being thoroughly outmatched, outgunned uh, in the trenches. And I don't know that that's necessarily a discredit to Arkansas, um, more than a, a kind of, wow, what Georgia's doing is insane this year. Um, I, I think as far as trailing goes, you saw Rocket, for all intensive purposes, had a pretty solid game um, in comparison to everyone else, at least. But every time you started to get a bit of momentum, it was boom, holding penalty, boom, false start. Yeah, I, th- I think the first drive you had back-to-back false starts to open the game. You're really not going to win when you're on the road doing that. 
All right, that'll wrap it up for this Georgia talk. Up next, we're going to talk some news of the week, where Arkansas fell in the poll. We've got a date for the red-white game for basketball. Um, later on, Hutch is going to talk to Chase Parham from the Ole Miss Rivals site, and then we're going to talk Ole Miss ourselves later on. So check all that out here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. We're going to talk news of the week right now. Um, not a whole lot of news of the week, but we have some stuff to talk about. We have some dates for the Red-White game. Fall World Series is this weekend. Um, but let's start with Arkansas falling to number 13 in the AP poll. Ole Miss fell to number 17 after their loss to Alabama. Um, well, I mean, there's not really much else to say about it, Hutch, but Arkansas is number 13, Ole Miss is number 17. And, you know, whoever it's, – it's a prove-yourself game this week. Yeah, I saw a lot of people maybe mentioning that Arkansas should have fallen more because of how bad they got beat. But I think 13's pretty fair. I mean, especially when you factor in all the other teams that lost. I mean, I've, I've seen some stats where more ranked teams have lost through five weeks than ever before for a long, long time. So it, it's been quite the season for upsets. Uh, so I, I didn't mind, you know, kind of them falling to number 13. I think that's fair. Uh but it is. It's a massive game this weekend because you'll you're staring at two straight losses. Now it would be I guess two very good teams, one great team in Georgia and one very good team in Ole Miss, and both of them on the road. Uh, but you don't want to lose back to back games. I know Ole Miss doesn't want to lose back to back games either. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a good a good spot for them to, to kind of slot in at number thirteen and. You know, if they if they beat Ole Miss, I could see them. Depending on what happens in front of them, I could maybe see them creeping back inside the top ten uh, before the Auburn game next week. Now we've heard about some possible changes on the offensive line. Uh, Jalen St. John and Tykees Crawford are possibly moving inside to guard Hutch. What have you heard about that? Do you think it's a good idea? I mean, it it never hurts to have depth, especially dudes as big as them. Yeah, they've definitely moved from tackle to guard in practice. It's just a matter of are they actually going to challenge the starters for a, start, a spot in that starting lineup. Uh, right now, it looks like you know, Brady Latham and Bo Limmer are still going to be the starters at left and right guard. Uh, however, uh, it sounds like Jalen St. John may be getting some playing time this Saturday. I don't know if he's going to replace uh, Bo Limmer in the starting lineup but it sounds like they they really want to challenge him at right guard as well as Ty Clary who has gotten a little bit of work at right tackle this week for Dalton Wagner um, not sure what Dalton's status is he, he missed Monday's practice for personal reasons and then he was out there on Tuesday but I noticed his left his left hand was completely wrapped like in a club uh, I can't imagine it's very easy to to block people with one hand so uh, not sure what his status is but it, we may see some Jalen St. John. I mean, Jalen St. John and Tykes Crawford, as you said, are, are massive dudes. Uh, Crawford, I believe, is listed at 350. Uh, St. John listed at 330. Uh, that, that's the kind of lineman Sam Pittman likes to have at guard. So I would expect to see at least Jalen St. John, you know, first series or two against Ole Miss. So we'll start with what's coming up the soonest. That's this week. We got the Fall World Series starting this weekend. Um, I know you're not going to be able to make it out to every game like you'd like to, Hutch, but um, it's still exciting. Fall World Series is always something fun. Um, me, personally, I wish I could get out there, but I can't. It's football season. You just, like, I'm in football mode, but, uh, I mean, it's Razorback baseball. So 
Um, what are you what are you looking for out of the Fall World Series, Hutch? And how excited are you that they finally announced the dates for it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing most people are probably looking for is, is what that pitching staff looks like. Who's going to emerge as the starting pitchers? I mean, I think everyone uh, likes to think that Jackson Wiggins is probably a, a prime candidate to start. You know, maybe Connor Nolan earns a spot in that starting rotation. Peyton Paulette would most likely be a guy, but we're probably not going to get to see him this uh, during the Fall World Series. I believe he's still kind of working his way back from that injury he's dealing with. Uh, but, you know, does do any of these freshmen kind of emerge? I mean, Hagen Smith is probably the number one guy that I'm looking at. I mean, he's the guy that threw like seven no-hitters in a row or something like that in high school ball in Texas. So that kid's good. He's a lefty. It would be kind of a different kind of look to throw in the starting rotation. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of the thing I'm looking forward to most. Uh, I think the Fall World Series starts on Friday. Uh, then I think they go Friday, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and then next Friday is kind of an if necessary, you know, TBA. You know, they're not sure if they're going to play that or not, but they're definitely going to get at least four games in. So you should get uh, have plenty of opportunities to make it out the bomb and, and get a good look at the Diamond Hogs. I'm curious what you think of that middle infield. How do you think that's going to shake out? Um, we know we know Robert Moore is going to be there, but how else? Who else is going to be there? And then just who's going to round out the infield? Is Caden Wallace going to move to third? You know, it, right now Jalen Battles is probably your your shortstop because he did come back from last year, but he is working his way back from injury. We're probably not going to get to see him, or I know we're not going to get to see him during the Fall World Series. He's been uh, you know rehabbing things like that, but I, based on everything we've heard right now. Uh, he should be good to go for the season. Uh, so that would that would give you Jalen Bowles and Robert Moore up the middle again. Uh, but the corner infield spots are kind of the mystery. You know, third base was a little bit of a, a rotation last year with Colin Smith and Jacob Nesbitt. Both of those guys are gone. Uh, do you see a Caden Wallace at third? I don't know. You, he seems to be kind of getting a, lot, a really strong look at center field. So he may be your center fielder just because he's just so athletic. Uh, but then – uh, you know, do you see one of the freshmen move there, like a Peyton Stovall, the guy that was projected to be a first-round pick but turned down, you know, probably $2 million to come to school? You got to figure he's going to get in the lineup somewhere. Uh, then first base, Brady Slavens is back, but he's been getting a lot of work in the outfield. So I don't know if they're looking at him to move to the outfield and put someone else at first. You know, these are all questions I hope to ask Dave Van Horn when we have a chance to talk to him. Uh, here in a little bit everyone by the time you're listening to this can probably go check it out on our YouTube page uh, lots of lots of questions because I'm not sure where everyone's going to kind of slot in in the lineup all right and then basketball announced that their red white game is going to be on October 17th at 2 p.m. it's going to be inside Barnhill again so that's exciting I know coach Musselman said that they're going to have some really cool uniforms for that um, I, I mean it's it's the red white game but um, there's a there's some new names, new transfers. We know we know what they had last year, but um, just Hutch going into this red white game. Is there anything specific you're looking for? Anybody that you're looking at that you're you're really interested to see how they perform? I'm interested to see who all is actually available to play in the red white game because I know when they first started practice uh, last week. Uh, Eric Musselman was kind of frustrated with all the little injuries that they have. None of them are like super serious and should keep guys out of the season. But, you know, Jalen Williams was, was taking it easy. Uh, I know, uh, I want to say uh, a DC Tony was dealing with a little injury. I think JD Note got banged up on the first day of practice. Uh, 
KK Robinson is still kind of working his way back from his injury. So there's, there's lots of guys that are banged up right now. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see how many of them are available, but hopefully all of them can go. And really, I just want to see all the new guys, how they mesh with the, the guys that are already here. I mean, we know about Devo, we know about Jalen, we know about JD Note. So what, what are those guys going to look like with the other guys? This is just kind of our first kind of look and glimpse at, at the, this year's team. It'll be exciting. It's going to be a good team. We know we know what Eric Musselman brings to the table, and it seems as if he just reloaded even more this year. So uh, up next, Hutch is going to talk to Chase Parham from rebelgrove.com. That's the Ole Miss Rivals site. He's the editor over there. Um, I listened to the talk to the chat, and uh, I learned a lot about Ole Miss. So you will definitely learn a lot about Ole Miss as well. And then after that, we're going to preview Ole Miss ourselves. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this one yet, guys, but uh, I, I'm excited for Saturday. Probably more excited than I was for the Georgia game just because I'm more confident that Arkansas can probably win this one. But we'll talk about that more here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of Hogbeat.com, your Arkansas site and the Rivals Network. Georgia handed the Hogs their first loss of the season this past weekend in shutout fashion, 37 to nothing. But the Hogs are still 4-1 and ranked number 13 in the AP poll. Awaiting Arkansas this week is another team that was kind of humbled over the weekend as Ole Miss was soundly beaten by Alabama. Uh, and with that, it's time once again to go behind enemy lines for some insider perspective on the upcoming game. Chase Parham is an editor over at rebelgrove.com, the Ole Miss site in the Rivals Network. He does a great job over there covering the Rebels, and he was kind enough to give us some time today. Uh, Chase, I appreciate it. How are you? I'm good, Andrew. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, you know, let, let's just let's start off with that game I just mentioned. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Ole Miss uh, did did not have its popcorn ready this past weekend. Uh, Bama jumped out to a 35 nothing lead. I think it ended up being 42-21. In, from your perspective, I know Arkansas lost to Georgia, and it was they they shot itself in the foot, and they they definitely didn't help themselves but it was also very clear that Georgia was the better team and your perspective what happened in that Ole Miss Alabama game this past weekend yeah it was it was interesting and it was somewhat humbling just looking at media predictions going in frankly even embedding predictions and different things because everybody had gotten so caught up on the fact that Ole Miss scored 48 points against Alabama a year ago and that they were able to kind of score at will and you had Matt Corral in this offense that had done so many good things that they and me included, neglected the ways that Alabama had such an advantage, and that was the line of scrimmage. Alabama just dominated Ole Miss on the offensive line, on the defensive line, on the front seven on defense. They they bottled up everything to a point that um, you know Ole Miss got behind schedule. They they did. They had some they had some penalties, some different things. I think we undervalued how much Matt Corral making his first road start in a full stadium since 2019 was going to impact things. And then also, um, you know, I, I think even, you know, Lane Kiffin kind of admitted that he was a little more emotional for this game than maybe he should have been, that he um, did not handle some things kind of early in the game that, that way, you know, almost went for a bunch of fourth downs early. And that's been the big talk of, over the course since Saturday is that, I think they went for four or five fourth downs in the first half, some in really bad territory, some of their own 27 for one of them. And they got a couple, but when they didn't get them, Alabama just scored and scored and scored and piled on. And it's been a big discussion about analytics because Lane defended his 
decision on Monday and said that he wasn't trying to play the game close and he could have punted, he could have played the game closer, but to win the game, they had to keep those possessions going. So for Ole Miss, it was complete domination of the line of scrimmage. That's something they've got to get fixed. Frankly, going into this week against Arkansas, he's going to try to do some of the same things. Brian Robinson Jr. ran all over the Rebels. They struggle with their 3-2-6 defense that's new this season against the run. And we don't really know what this Ole Miss team is because you look at it and they beat up on Louisville, who's a good team. They're not a great team, but they're an okay team. Um, beat up a two-lane team. had been on the road forever. They played Austin P. But then Alabama is the number one or number two team in the country, depending on how you want to rate Alabama and Georgia. So I feel like we finally got into a game that feels like more of a litmus test, and it's taken five weeks to do that. Yeah, I was going to see kind of what, what's the team's mindset, you know, based on your conversations with Lane Kiffin, the players and things, and, and how is the fan base kind of feeling after such a loss? Uh, the fan base has shaken it off better than I kind of expected. You know, there was a lot of optimism that Ole Miss would at least play that game close in Tuscaloosa on Saturday, again, a lot because of last year and Matt Corral and different things. But I felt like for a day it went from – mass hysteria of oh god suddenly Ole Miss is going to go you know five and seven to kind of straighten it back out realizing that it's Alabama it's not the end of the world um I feel like it was a little tougher for Ole Miss this week than than Arkansas you know where it was a it's a it was a straight free shot last weekend for both those teams but Arkansas with what was coming up and everything else and going back to Georgia and the way that game went I felt like they could look ahead quicker and kind of put it past them I felt like it probably took Ole Miss an extra day than maybe it did Arkansas to put the game away but Lane Kiffin said all the right things on Monday. He talked about, you know, that you don't play well and Alabama's going to pop you. And then you move on and you try to do it to somebody else. It's just the way this team works. Matt Corral's done a really nice job from leadership standpoint because I, I'm going to sense some urgency for Ole Miss. I think at this point in the schedule, this is a really big momentum game from a program standpoint, from a season standpoint for Ole Miss, where they're probably going to be operating as, as efficiently as possible because it, it feels like that where if you win – you're still on schedule, and yeah, you got beat by Alabama, but everybody gets beat by Alabama. If you lose, and it's you're 0-2 in the league, you're at least, well, from a, maybe a tangible, but definitely a perception standpoint, maybe if you're even behind Arkansas in the rebuild process in the SEC West, it just sort of feels like a pecking order game that, that Ole Miss is primed to at least play well and try to take advantage of their home field with. Yeah, and up until that that Alabama loss, you mentioned Matt Corral. I, I think most people kind of considered him the Heisman front runner. Uh, I was wondering, how, how has he evolved since last season? And, of course, on top of that, everyone remembers the six interceptions he threw last year mm -hmm. in Fayetteville. Uh, do you think that maybe serves as some motivation for him going into this week? Um, you know, you, you mentioned, I guess I'll start from the beginning, what you said. I thought he played well on Saturday. They were so dominated at the line of scrimmage that he had his – he had the most pressure he's faced as a starting quarterback per pro football focus on Saturday. He had barely over two seconds to pressure on each on the average pass attempt on Saturday. So even saying that he almost completed 80% of his passes, he didn't throw an interception. He protected the ball pretty well. And while Alabama was clearly the better team, Matt Corral was still the better quarterback on the field between he and Bryce Young on, on Saturday. He's matured a ton. You know, Arkansas took advantage of, of the, the drop eight, the making him identify coverage, all those things that we've talked about for a full year, what Barry Odom was able to do against Lane Kiffin and Jeff Le Levy and the Rebels. And I think in some ways that game in the LSU game, it made Matt grow up. Um, he's learned to be more – consistent he's learned to be better with the football he's learned when to take chances and kind of be that Brett Favre kind of guy and when to settle down and just know that there's a there's a time to live to play for another day and um, to this point he's not thrown an interception this season he's been very sound um, picking his battles they've they faced teams that have tried to emulate Arkansas you know they, they, they Louisville that's what they did they ran this three two six kind of thing tried to drop eight tried to make him play with coverage and 
he dinked and dunked and took the underneath stuff and tried to use the receiver's athleticism. And then when you get impatient and people have brought down coverage, then he's tried to go over the top to Braylon Sanders and exploit that. So, no, I think I think we might look back and say that what Barry Odom in Arkansas did was the turning point of Matt Corral's career. I think it changed his, his projection a little bit, the way he has uh, just operated as a quarterback, as a leader since that point. He's matured a ton. And it's why it's one of my interesting chess matches going into this week is do, do Sam Pittman and Barry Odom try to emulate it and do a lot of the similar things, or do they see where he's done such a good job against that since then and and throw some different variables or wrinkles at him? But no, it it was it was maybe the splice point of uh, of his career from that point to what he's done now, how he's improved, and how he's been able to uh, to be better at protecting the football, but still take shots when warranted. Yeah, Corral and the, the passing game, they, they get all the attention down there. But, you know, if you look at the stats, they they're out, they also have a top 10 rushing attack. They're averaging over 240 yards a game on the ground. But what, what can you tell us about that ground game? So they got they got they got to run block a little better. That's the biggest thing. Um, the offensive line, we knew that it wasn't deep. We knew that they pretty much just had five, six guys. And if they had injuries in certain spots, they're going to be in trouble. But Going into the season, everybody was really projecting a lot of high hopes on that offensive line. They uh, they have a, a center from Utah that transferred in, Orlando Amana. Otherwise, everybody's back from last season other than Royce Newman, who's playing guard for the Packers right now. And it's 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 a veteran group. It's a good group led by an interior All-SEC guy in Ben Brown and a really good left tackle in Nick Broker. But they just got overwhelmed on Saturday. So they've got to bounce back. They've got to do better. And then what's interesting to me is how they've split carries. So Ole Miss has a three-headed kind of, I'd say monster, but that's probably too strong, a running back tandem. I, I think they all could play in the NFL to some extent. But you've got Jerry Neely, you've got Henry Parrish, and you've got Stu Connor. Well, Jerry Neely came in as the all-SEC guy, kind of the bell cow, the person they thought would – sort of be moved around a lot in a Kenyon Drake kind of fashion under Lane Kiffin, what he did with him with Drake at Alabama, where he plays some slot, plays some tailback, does some different things. Ely, frankly, just hasn't played much. He played the first series against Alabama, barely returned after that. He only played 15 snaps the entire game. He's healthy. He's just not playing. What has happened is Henry Parrish has really emerged. He's a guy that was Lane Kiffin's very first recruit when he was signed at Ole Miss. He was committed to him at FAU. And he told Kiffin, wherever you go, I'll go, no matter what school that is. Um, and he has turned into a, an excellent running back. He's gotten better with pass pro. He's gotten better with all the assets of being an every down back. And he, he, he got 40 carries against Alabama on Saturday. Sorry, 40 carries, 40 snaps Saturday against Alabama. So he's really gotten in there. And then their banger, Snoop Connor, a guy that they really like playing in the second half when defenses get a little more tired. Snoop's the inside runner. He'll lean on you a little bit. He's a physical running back. One of the things that Lane Kiffin is struggling with right now is their tempo. They're go, 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 go. And one of the assets of that is that the defense doesn't have the time to substitute. But some of the problem with Ole Miss is that means they don't have the time to substitute either or they're choosing not to substitute. So they get into a short yardage situation like happened on their first series against Alabama because, look, they weren't going to win the game, but it could have changed the tenor of that first half. They get down, they have fourth and one from the Alabama five-yard line. Ely runs it, doesn't get it. Well, Snoop Connors, their short yard is back in those situations, but they didn't want to take the time to allow Alabama to then sub in. So it's going to be interesting to me kind of what happens moving forward because Lane said it's a chess match that he's trying to figure out when is the appropriate time to sub in Snoop Connor in short yardage situations, when to make some personnel changes, and does that benefit them more than keeping whatever defensive 11 is out there on the field at the time? And let's kind of shift gears now and talk about that defense. Uh, you know, that side of the ball took quite a bit of criticism last mm -hmm. year, and uh, but they, they seem to be, at least on paper, to be better this year. In your opinion, has Ole Miss actually improved defensively, and what's, what's different on that side of the ball? 
they're certainly better. Um, and it, then look, this has been the key though. Are they, you know, look, cause last year they were 125th nationally in total defense. They were terrible. They were outside the top 100 in rush defense, pass defense and total defense last year. Um, so they're better, but does better mean 80th? Does better mean 60th? Does better mean 50th? I don't know that we completely know that yet. They're, they look better coached. I think it's because they're in a second a second year under DJ Durkin, the former Maryland head coach that's Ole Miss's defensive coordinator. Um, they've been able to hit the transfer portal and do well. You know, Otis Reese is playing a full season. He transferred from Georgia last year, but only, only was eligible the last few games of the season. He didn't play against Arkansas last year. He's, he's probably their most talented defensive player overall in that secondary. They picked up linebacker Chance Campbell from Maryland. He was a big contributor in the Big Ten. He's Ole Miss's best linebacker right now as well. So they've been able to add some pieces. And they're running this 3-2-6 that's sort of modeled after what Arkansas was able to do to them last year. They're running three down linemen, even to the point of it worries me a little from an Ole Miss perspective if you're – can they stop the physical rushing attacks, only three down linemen, two linebackers, and six defensive backs. That's something to be seen. But – they don't have a lot of depth up front. If there's a problem for Ole Miss Steel, it's that defensive line. Uh, Quentin Bivens has done a nice job. Katie Hill has done a nice job. But they had two big-time JUCO guys who were the top two JUCO defensive linemen in the country coming out last year. Neither one of them has transitioned to this point. And, I mean, you know this as well as I do. It takes a little while. A lot of times JUCO guys are a lot better in year two than year one. But they need either Isaiah Iton or Jamon Gordon to really take a step and help out on that depth standpoint to give them the option of a four-down lineman if necessary to, to stop some of these rushing attack teams. So they're incredibly athletic in the secondary. The secondary is much better. They just move around better. They're in the right places. They – it's why they're playing in three, two, six is they're trying to get the best 11 on the field. And that includes six defensive backs, but that does make you susceptible to some different things. They're okay at linebacker Campbell helps. And then up front though, is the question. I mean, how is that defensive line hold up? And then does Sam Williams, who's their best NFL talent on the defensive line from that rush in standpoint, can he get to the quarterback? Can he disrupt things? Because he needs to be consistent and be a guy that, that changes things up. They simply couldn't get to Bryce Young last week. And, when they did, Bryce Young would sort of sidestep them. He would make his own time. He would do a lot of really athletic things back there. I mean, you know, KJ moves pretty well. So not nowhere near the same kind of similar quarterback, but from an athletic skill set, there's some similarities. They've just got to make sure that when they get to position, they tackle better. They, but they're they're certainly a better football team. They're a better defense. But I think the question mark is still out just to what level that is. If you told me that they're probably 60th nationally, I think that's a good baseline moving forward for where they might finish the year. And you kind of touched on this a little bit in your answer there, but I'm wondering who some of those those key players, I mean, you mentioned Otis Reese, you mentioned Campbell. Uh, who are the key players? And is there anyone that Arkansas maybe needs to, is there a guy that you would game plan around? Like, okay, we got to, we can't let this guy beat us on, on that defense. It, it, it's Otis in the secondary. They'll walk him up a little bit. He'll play sort of some pseudo linebacker at times. But I think the two guys that will garner the most attention just from a TV broadcast when, when Arkansas fans are watching the game or, you know, if, if now Ole Miss could do something differently, but when they played Malik Cunningham and Louisville in the opener, Chance Campbell pretty much shadowed and mirrored Cunningham the, the whole game. So you might have a KJ Jefferson, Chance Campbell sort of one-on-one -on -one matchup in some ways in this game if Campbell is who does it again for Ole Miss kind of following the running back around or the quarterback around who can run the ball a little bit. And then it's Williams. It's Williams because he can disrupt things. He can get around the end. He can make things very complicated, but he's got to do that. He's been more consistent this season than in past years. Frankly, he's been great at times and then kind of no-showed at times during his career. So I think if, if Williams' stat line was one you could give me, I would know a little bit how this game went. And then if you tell me how Campbell played, shadowing Jefferson, keeping him from just really hurting Ole Miss on the ground, those are the two guys. I mean, Reese is – 
Reese is the best player, but it feels like Williams and Campbell are going to go a long way to kind of deciding how many points Arkansas scores on Saturday. And finally, I know Ole Miss, I think uh, last I checked, they're a six-point favorite. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to give a, a score prediction here, but I'm curious kind of how you see this game playing out and what are those keys to the game? You mentioned a couple from the defensive side of the ball there. Uh, but what are some maybe the keys to the game uh, for this weekend? Um, I think for Ole Miss offensively, it's, it's just it's staying on schedule and it's the wide receivers showing up. I mean, I, I think at this point you trust Corral to be better than he was a year ago against Arkansas. I don't expect – you know, a multi-interception game, anything like that. He might throw one because at some point every quarterback's going to throw an interception. And Barry Odom's going to do things to confuse him. He's one of the best defensive quarterbacks, I mean, defensive coordinators in the country. But it's Ole Miss's wide receivers. They're without Jonathan Mingo, I'm guessing. He, he had a foot injury. He's got a Jones fracture in, in his foot. It happened last week during the bye week. He missed the Alabama game. He's not been ruled out for Saturday, but I don't really expect him to play. So where does Ole Miss find that production? They've got Dontario Drummond, who has really flashed and shown well this season. Braylon Sanders is their best deep threat, but he had two big drops, including he dropped a touchdown on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. So the wide receivers have got to do better. They even had some penalties out of receivers. They had guys not lining up. They're on that second team that had been bumped up the first team. And Lane challenged them in the press conference on Monday, talked about how they just have got to get better with some of the downline rotation receivers. So I think the receivers are a huge deal. They've got to help corral. They've got to establish some semblance of a run game because Arkansas can get pressure with three. That offensive line has got to show up. And then on the other side, it's just tackling. You know, with, with KJ Jefferson running downhill, he can do some things with his feet. Um, you know, Burks is probably going to beat you a time or two. But it's one of those deals where if they can just make Arkansas drive the field, not give up as many big plays, do some things to, to extend drives and make Arkansas really work for it. And to me, that includes tackling and just kind of being in the right spots. I mean, I, I, I think that it's an incredibly close game. My front, I haven't decided who I'm picking to win yet in this one, but I think you're there for four quarters. And if we know anything about Ole Miss of Arkansas, there'll be something weird before it's uh, before it's done on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. It's always a, a wild series and really entertaining. Uh, but that's all I got for you, Chase. You know, thanks again for, for giving us some insight on the Rebels. Uh, as a reminder, uh, kickoff is scheduled for 11 a.m. Central, and the game will be televised on ESPN. Uh, those of you who are watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Uh, so that way you can always see these Know the Foe segments. Uh, as well as press conferences, practice clips, recruiting videos, and much, much more. Uh, and as always, uh, be sure to check out hogbeat.com for all of the coverage uh, that we have on all things Arkansas. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. All right, last segment here on the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Mason Choate, your host. We're joined by Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor at Hogbeat, and Alex Trader, who also writes over at Hogbeat with myself. Hutch, before we get started with Ole Miss talk, go ahead and tell them about that deal you got going going on with the students. Yeah, any university student, whether it be at Arkansas or another school, uh, shoot me an email from your school uh, email account, the .edu account. Uh, send me an email, tell me you're a student and want to uh, cut of this deal. Uh, my email is andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com. Hopefully I'll reply within a day or so. Uh, I do my best to do that, uh, but I'll send you all the information you need to get your first year of Hogbeat for just $11.95 compared to the usual uh, $100 for a year. So it's a heck of a deal if you're a student. I know everyone's trying to save money these days, especially when you're a college student. I've been there. Uh, so take advantage of this deal. You get awesome coverage of Arkansas sports. Great conversation on the message board. 
and you get it for a really awesome price. All right, let's start with Ole Miss, and I'm going to go to Alex first. So the Rebels are favored by six. I think you said – what was the point spread? Like, they, it was like 66 points. Yeah, so Arkansas, as of 9.32 a.m. on Thursday, October 7th, Arkansas uh, is our six-point six underdogs in this one, and the, uh, the total is set at 66 points. So uh, expecting an Ole Miss shootout type game. What do you think of that, Alex? I mean, I, you said you said take the under, right? No, I yeah, I I personally will be taking the under. Uh, le- betting's not legal here. If it was, I would love or I love the under, but I would probably bet the under if it was legal to do in Arkansas. Maybe legislators, uh, if you could get on that, I would appreciate it. But right now, Arkansas um, only scoring about thirty points per game uh, with their opponent points per game less than twenty. Uh, and Ole Miss is holding teams well under 30, as well as, you know, they're scoring about 45, but you have to look at the competition there. Uh, Tulane, Louisville back when they were supposed to be very, very bad. So um, I, I think the defense is are good enough in this game to keep it under that number, but we're about to get into all that. Yeah, so we'll start, we'll start with Ole Miss. Hutch, you talked to Chase Parham. You learned a lot about the Rebels. We've all been doing our own research, but – uh, both Arkansas and Ole Miss were three and zero. Both of them humbled last week against Alabama and Georgia. So we we talked about this in the first segment, but it's a prove yourself game. And uh, Hutch, what what do you see from Ole Miss, and how do you think they stack up against the Hogs? You know, I think the biggest thing that I take away about Ole Miss is everyone talks about Matt Corral and how they throw it all over the place and stuff like that. But I've, I've been really impressed to see what they can do on the ground. I mean, obviously, as Alex said, you got to consider the competition there. But, you know, they, they've been able to run the ball. They've got a top 10 rushing offense. Uh, they've got three guys that can really run the ball. You know, Jerry Neely's the guy that everyone knows about. That's the guy I was, you know, kind of the top concern or whatever. But then, you know, to come to find out from – from Chase Parham that it sounds like uh, Parrish is, is starting to get more of the workload there. And, and of course, Snoop Connor is, is a, a solid back, you know, maybe more of the short yardage kind of there. Dominique Johnson is kind of how I interpret it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup and, and Arkansas has got to be able to stop that run game. It sounds like they're going to stick with the three, two, six, especially, you know, the drop eight, you know, try to stop that, that passing attack but they've also got to stop that run game. And uh, they did not do that against Georgia. Uh, that could just be because Georgia's that good, as we talked about earlier in the show. But, you know, they did they did stop, you know, pretty much slow down Texas A&M, you know, outside of that one long run by Isaiah Spiller. They shut down Bijan Robinson, who's done nothing but just run all over people since leaving Fayetteville. So they have the potential and I think they can do it, but that's going to be something I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out on Saturday. You mentioned that three, two, six defense that the hogs run. And that's been a big story of the week is how Ole Miss now runs the three, two, six defense after they played Arkansas last year, they decided, Hey, this might be a good idea. Um, But uh, I think Arkansas is going to run the ball well against Ole Miss this week. I've heard from some people, uh, within the team, they're very confident that they're going to have success on the ground game this week. So, uh, Hutch, do you agree with that? Do you think Arkansas even really needs to throw the ball a whole lot? Or is it going to be a ground-and-pound type game for the Hogs? Yeah, I mean, one way to, to make sure the Ole Miss offense doesn't beat you is to make sure they don't go out on the field, and, and that's by controlling the clock. That's not necessarily Kendall Bryles' 
style. They like to go fast, and, and I think they're going to do that. But if you can do what they did against Texas where you're averaging seven yards a carry, I wouldn't put the ball in the air. Bad things happen when you put the ball in the air. So I, I say keep it on the ground. Uh, if you can really be effective in that run game, which I think they can. I think they've got a nice stable of backs. I think all four of them are more than capable I could easily see this being another one of those games where Arkansas has 200, 250 yards rushing and no one person has 100 yards. I could easily see it being very evenly distributed between those four backs as well as K.J. Jefferson. Um, so I, I, you talked to Chase, and he said that they have some injuries um, in, in the receiving core. Uh, I know that there's one guy. What was his name? I can't remember his name. Uh, what was it, Hutch? Mingo? Mingo, that's right, that's right. Mingo, who who probably won't play, how's that going to affect Corral? You know, he 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 doesn't have some of his top targets, but he's still Matt Corral and is still Ole Miss, a Lane Kiffin coach team. They're probably going to throw the ball. Yeah, they they've still got other receivers. I mean, Sanders and Drummond. I mean, those those are some really good guys. And honestly, you know, we heard Chase say it. Uh, you know, they they threw the ball okay against Alabama you know I thought they he thought Matt Corral had a pretty decent game he had 200 and something 270 something yards I want to say and he didn't throw an interception he completed a, a good percentage of his passes obviously it wasn't enough to to really be competitive but it wasn't like Matt Corral was the reason they lost I mean that he was the reason they lost against Arkansas last year but he wasn't the reason they lost against Alabama uh, this past weekend. So they're, they're going to be able to throw the ball around, obviously not having Mingo hurts, but they still have some really dynamic receivers. And, you know, I think I saw where, you know, Mingo missed the Alabama game and the guy who started in his place, Jaden Jackson, that, that name should sound familiar to a lot of people here because uh, he's from Bentonville West and uh, was, was I think kind of recruited by Arkansas. I can't remember the exact details of his recruitment, but he ended up at Ole Miss and sounds like he's, you know, having a, a a decent start to his career because he's still kind of a young guy. Now we're going to, we're, we're going back and forth here, but I want to talk about the Ole Miss defense. And I'm going to bring Alex in on this. They've got some good transfers, but uh, you know, it's, it's an average defense. I would say, um, I don't know if I would say they're, they're definitely not Georgia. So Arkansas should have a little bit of a better time trying to move the ball against Ole Miss. Correct, Alex? Yeah, I think saying they're not Georgia is a pretty fair statement. Um, I, just touching on Jaden again, that was my teammate at Bentonville West. So it is cool to see him out there kind of playing well. He had a touchdown against Alabama as a true freshman, which was pretty cool to see. Um, but as far as the defense goes, this team was uh, – you mentioned them as average. They were well below average last year, and that's what cost them a lot of their, their talent offensively because they were truly one of the best offensive teams in the country last season – they have the potential to do that again this year. Losing Mingo Hurts, um, you have Dontario Drummond in there who's, who's having a good season himself. But the real improvement of this team and the real you know reason that this team had SEC championship expectations and technically still does, though that loss to Alabama makes it a little tougher, they'll need some help, um, is the defense. You know, it, It's DJ Durkin's second year. And they're, like you mentioned, they're running that, that drop eight defense now. And it's making it... Um, not only help the, on the defensive side of the ball that they're picking up and, and trying to do what they saw in that Arkansas game, but it's helping their quarterback because he's getting to see that every day. It's not as foreign to him. Um, 
the way that it is to a lot of other quarterbacks. I think that's one advantage KJ will have against this defense is that he sees a similar type to it uh, very frequently in practices and, and all that. But, um, you know, the, the game is going to come down to the Ole Miss defense, in my opinion. I, I think um, you're looking at kind of the tale of two teams where Arkansas has a pretty average offense and a very good defense, and Ole Miss is the inverse. They have a very good offense and a pretty average defense. Now, I, I want to talk about the, the matchup between the Arkansas offensive line and Ole Miss defensive line, and I'll ask Hutch about this. Arkansas's offensive line didn't do well against Georgia. I think it was kind of expected, but this is a easier matchup against Ole Miss. They do have some guys on the defensive line. They got a guy from uh, EMCC, Last Chance U, who's got five sacks on the year. Uh, do you think Arkansas is going to get a good enough push against this, this three-man front that the Rebels are going to run where, you know, they can kind of open up the field and do really whatever they want? Because we've, I mean, we've kind of seen opposing quarterbacks who can run the ball do well against Ole Miss this year. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked earlier about how we think the run game is going to have success this weekend. And, and a big reason I believe that way is, is because of that offensive line. Yes, they didn't have a good performance against Georgia, but again, I think there might be some NFL teams that would struggle against that Georgia front seven. So I think Arkansas is going to be just fine. I think their, their offensive line is probably, I mean, I don't want to say they're going to have their way, but I think they're going to have a lot of success against Ole Miss. Uh, I think that's a, a, a definite advantage for Arkansas. And I think maybe one reason I'm kind of leaning toward picking the Razorbacks in this game is because of that offensive line. I think they're going to have the advantage in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think Arkansas's defensive line should be able to, to have more success against Ole Miss's offensive line than what we saw last week, as well as what we're talking about now with, with Arkansas's offensive line. Yeah, I was going to ask you to go into that a little bit more, and Alex, you can if you want. Uh, it seemed as if when I listened to you talk to Chase and um, kind of just listening to people throughout the week, it seems like Arkansas should do fairly well against this Ole Miss offensive line. Um, I mean, are we going to see another Trey Williams in the backfield 80% of the time game, or uh, is Ole Miss going to be able to get a push as well? I think their offensive line does have a little bit more um, going for them this season than we saw with AM. and I, I don't think Trey Williams will be able to have that kind of an impact. Uh, like uh, like we talked about on Know the Foe, they're returning a lot of guys and they're bringing in an experienced JUCO center. But, um, you know, it, it's looking shaky. We're hearing stuff about maybe their left guard not being able to play. That's an experienced guy that you'd be losing, and that'd be a tough loss for a team who's going against – a defensive front like Arkansas where their specialty really is um, battling in the trenches and winning matchups. They shouldn't win. I don't, I think that's a fair comparison is to say they're closer to what we saw against A&M, what we saw against Texas than what we saw against Georgia. All right, guys, unless you guys have anything to add, I think we can go ahead and go into our predictions, what we think is going to happen. Um, I really don't think I'm going to give a score prediction yet. Cause I, I haven't, I haven't decided yet. So uh, I'll let Hutch start this time. I mean, how do you think it's going to go? Yeah, I'm not sure on a score prediction yet either, uh, but I do think I'm leaning toward Arkansas. I think they may win a one-score game. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not as you know convinced as Alex is uh, that they're going to hit the under, that 66 points, because I do think Arkansas has the potential to score 
a decent amount of points against this Ole Miss defense, and I think this Ole Miss offense is just so explosive. It's going to get theirs. Uh, so I, I don't. It may just stay under that 66 point total, uh, but I could definitely see Arkansas winning this game by you know a touchdown where they have to you know score late and then get a last second stop. I, I, that's kind of how I'm leaning towards it right now. Uh, but I'm I remain I I, I remain. Uh, Take the I, let me see how if I can say this real quick. I reserve the right to change my mind uh, w- before we uh, release our, our staff predictions uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. All right, I, I think I'm kind of on the same page as you, Hutch. I, I don't really know about a score yet. I do think that I'm leaning towards Arkansas as well, and that's mainly just. It seems like I say this every week, but it's just from what I'm hearing, um, I think Arkansas is going to be able to move the ball really well against the Ole Miss defense. And then I think that Arkansas has a good enough defense where they can keep Ole Miss from taking the lead, really. Um, I mean, we saw it last year. Matt Corral was flustered. I don't think it's going to happen the same way this year, but I think Arkansas is going to be able to be able to show that they're they're the better team in their a little bit ahead in the rebuilding process because Lane Kiffin and Sam Pivin are both in year two. And I do think Arkansas is just slightly ahead. So I, I don't know about a score prediction yet, but I, I think I'm leaning towards Arkansas and that, that can change. So Alex, you can go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my score prediction to myself too. So make sure you guys do check out those staff predictions that we're going to be putting out. But um, I agree with everything both of you say. And it's scary because, you know, after last week, I was very wrong about the team. I, I think I had a pretty okay read on them. I was feeling good going into the Georgia game, and uh, it absolutely did not work out that way. One thing we didn't really touch on that I think is going to be a key factor in this game is how much the home crowd or the away crowd kind of bothered Arkansas on the line, whether that be offensive, defensive, whatever. They weren't themselves uh, in terms of getting off the ball, in terms of being able to get a playoff. And that's going to cause problems. Uh, Maybe not as much as in Athens, but the Grove is a loud place. It's going to be a very hostile environment, big rivalry game. Um, As well as that, you've seen multiple times this year, Arkansas get lucky letting guys leak out beyond the safeties, get wide open, and it's a missed throw. It's an overthrow. Um, It's behind them, whatever it may be. I don't think Matt Corral makes those same mistakes as guys like Luke McCaffrey, Wiley Green, uh, Hudson Card. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be really up to Arkansas's DBs to take care of this game uh, and help out that front seven. Um, They're going to help each other. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Arkansas covers in this one. I don't want to pick Arkansas just yet. I'm going to go ahead and look a little bit more into it, let the game kind of progress and see how it goes or how it feels going into tomorrow night and into Saturday. Uh, But I think it will be a close one. And like I said, I think it's going to be relatively low scoring just with how well Arkansas's defense has played this year and how much of an improvement we've seen in Ole Miss from last season to this year. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here on the Hogbeat Hour. Go check out all of our content over at hogbeat.com. Anything you need to know about this matchup for Arkansas versus Ole Miss anything Razorback related at all. And if you're a student, you don't want to miss out on that deal that we talked about earlier. Um, Thank you guys for listening to the Hogbeat Hour. I've been Mason Choate. He's been Andrew Hutchinson, and he's been Alex Trader. Y'all have a good day.